Chapter twenty six B of Organic Evolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Lall. Chapter twenty six B Cephalopods. Subclass Tetrabranchiata. These are nautilus-like forms with two pairs of gills and a well-developed shell in the form of an elongated chambered cone which later becomes coiled and then, in racial old-age types, uncoils again. In size they do not compare with the larger of the dibronchiates, and yet certain individuals of the ancient straight-shelled endoceras had a shell at least fifteen feet long. Geological History the tetrabranchiates on account of their resistant shell are vastly better known geologically than their more modern relatives the dibranchiates so that their evolutionary history as told by the shell has been worked out in detail schuchert summarizes the shell changes of the nautiloids thus nautilids appeared in fair abundance in the lower ordovician among these the most primitive were straight tapering cones that were circular or oval in outline and because there are many families of them they are called orthoceracones from the genus orthoceris meaning straight horn these orthocerids were common throughout the paleozoic and particularly so in the ordovician and silurian with the devonian these primitive forms began to wane slowly but some were still present in the triassic all other types of cephalopods had their origin in the straight-shelled orthoceracones and the first of these had their cones slightly bent and are therefore called cirtoceracones from cetaros meaning bent horn later descendants were coiled in a loose spiral wound in a plane and are known as gyroceracones from gyroceras meaning round horn still others are tightly wound with the whorls embracing one another more or less closely as in nautilus and these are termed nautilicones on the sides of such one sees more or less of the inner whorls of the shells and the area of these whorls is spoken of as the umbilicus it is small and nautilus and wide or open in the ordovician forms the bending of the tubes is due to a more rapid secretion of lime along the ventral side of the cone, and the greater the unequal growth, the more rapidly the cone involutes or rolls up. The geologic record of the evolution of the tetrabranchiates includes, of course, the two main suborders, Nautilodia and Ammonodia. The first were long-lived, ranging from Cambrian time until the present. They embraced, however, several parallel phyla, but their long life is due in part to the fact that the degree of specialization to which they attained was never very great. Of the ammonoids, on the other hand, the reverse is true, for as their specialization was high, so was their career brief and rocket-like, swift in its ascent, dazzling in the culmination into many beautiful and remarkable forms, and headlong in the descent into oblivion. It must be more in mind, however, that in using such a figure of speech we are speaking relatively, for the career of the Ammonites, extending as it did from the Devonian to the close of the Cretaceous, was of immense duration as mortals measure time. Nautiloids The first undoubted cephalopod known is of latest Cambrian age, and belongs to the straight-shelled orthoceracone type, which is the radical of the group. Endoceris, the most primitive of the orthoceran forms, prevailed in the Ordovician, but here came in also curved forms, at first sparingly, then later abundantly. The simple, unspecialized orthoceran type survived throughout the entire Paleozoic and finally disappeared near the end of the Trias. The first of the curved forms departed little from their ancestral habit, but enough to give a new generic title, Cerdoceras. Cerdoceras is Ordovician to Devonian in distribution as time went on the curving became more pronounced finally the coil became complete though the successive whorls did not touch the preceding ones this stage is called gyrocyrus and is most commonly silurian in age 
later the succeeding coils began to touch and finally to embrace the preceding and the culmination of nautiloids was reached in nautilus when the close coiled stage was attained the nautilian shell had reached its limit and could progress no farther and at once some of the stock began to retrograde and the uncoiling shells appeared ludotites went through orthoceran cerdoceran gyrocerin and nautilian stages and as it became adolescent left the close coil and reverted to the orthoceran stage it is of middle ordovician age the reversionary nautiloids are confined to the early and middle paleozoic and did not in any case become radicals of later groups they had run their course and exhausted the possibilities of development and died out without descendants the old simple orthoceran shell however held out until the trias and then gave rise to the belmanoids and the unspecialized nautilian shell endured into the present time though now rapidly nearing extinction ammonoids the ammonon radical is suggested in bactrites an orthoceroid which by acceleration of development acquired a calcareous protoconch or embryo shell a marginal or ventral siphuncle and a small siphonal lobe the ammonoid line began in the goniatoids near the opening of the devonian time they have sutures bent or fluted into folds and saddles and narrow shells and it was out of stock that true ammonoids developed early in the carboniferous from the nautiliniidae of the silurian the goniatoids of the devonian branched out rapidly continued increasing and diverging in the later paleozoic and in the mesozoic became highly specialized and accelerated until their final extinction at the end of the cretaceous time in the jura these ammonites reached their acme branching out into very many families and subfamilies increasing usually in a complexity of sutures and variety of ornamentation in the cretaceous they gradually declined dropping off one at a time until all were gone only a few radicals or stocks persist in the cretaceous but from time to time during this period certain genera branch off from the main stock become highly specialized and often give rise to so-called abnormal forms phylogerontonic or degenerate genera retrogressive which do not perpetuate their race these change their close coil becoming straight as in bacolites ascending spiral as heteroceras hook-shaped as hamites or open coiled gyocerin as creoceras these do not form a natural group but are themselves in some cases polyphyletic as is apparent from their otogeny their larval stages however as shown even by the straight bacolites all correspond to various normal progressive genera such as lytoceras the following table expresses in graphic form the evolution of the tetrabronchiites recent quaternary nautiloids twenty five hundred species nautilus living four species ammonoids five thousand species tertiary crustaceous jurassic triassic permian carboniferous devonian silurian ordovician cambrian going from favorable conditions starting with ordovician to less favorable up to tertiary nautiloids appear in the cambrian reach their maximum in the silurian a sharp decline in the carboniferous a gradual decline in the triassic ammonoids appear as goenotoids in the devonian progressive evolution during carboniferous first maximum in triassic first uncoiling in triassic second maximum jurassic great numbers also jurassic progressive and retrogressive general retrogression final total extinction in the cretaceous subclass dibronchiata the dibronchiates may be diagnosed as follows active unarmored cephalopods with two gills funnel complete ink sac usually present with eight octopoda 
or ten decapoda arms provided with suckers or hooks the vestigial shell generally reduced and sometimes wanting always internal relatively modern types as none are older than the trias bellaminoids we cannot trace the evolution of the modernized dibronchiate cephalopods with the same assurance as that of the tetrabronchiates because of the gradually diminishing shell which reduces proportionately the chance for their preservation as fossils bellaminoids are however well known and render possible an understanding of the evolution of the shell in this group which is characteristic of the mesozoic the mantle had become more and more external to the shell so that the latter came to lie within its substance hence the shell has more the character of an internal skeleton than of a protective armor the bellaminoid shell is straight conical and chambered the septa are close to one another and are perforated toward the ventral side of the shell by a very slender siphuncle the posteriorly directed apex of the shell the phragmacone is protected by a calcareous sheath or guard usually the only part preserved the anterior wall of the last chamber is prolonged forward on the dorsal side into a broad thin process the proostracum of these parts the phragmacone is of historical significance since it is clearly derivable from the shell of the paleozoic orthocerids out of which in the early triassic the belmanoids arose the only living belmanoid is spirula whose shell coiled into a loose spiral represents the phragmacone only the rostrum having disappeared spirula is unique in being the only known sedentary cephalopod and inhabits tropical waters at extreme depths the sepiodia another group of mesozoic dibronchionates retained only the proostracum and the completely modified remnant of the phragmacone which combined to form a wide and thick but very light bone consisting of delicate plates of lime separated by vertical fibers which make it very light and porous the shells are characteristic of the cuttlefish which range from the jurassic oxford clay to the present some of the upper jurassic forms had a cuttle bone at least two feet in length indicating a creature from six to eight feet long over the proostracum projecting toward the head of the mesozoic squid was a chitinous structure known as the pen and in some living genera such as the omostrephus and loligo the pen alone remains the modern genus architetheus the giant squid is the fitting culmination of this evolutionary line for some of them are not only the largest of invertebrates but when measured to the tip of the extended tentacular arms exceed the length of any known vertebrate except the larger whales and the amphibious dinosaurs the body may be as large as a hog's head and the extreme length of body and tentacles may exceed half a hundred feet octopoda in the eight-armed dibronchionids the extreme of specialization is reached for the internal shell has entirely disappeared and but one of the groups the female argonauta the male being shellless has anything comparable to such a structure here the unchambered shell is more in the nature of the brood chamber and as such not homologous with the shell either in the decapoda nor yet in the tetrabronchiate cephalopoda the fossil record of the octopoda is almost entirely blank hence their evolution may not be traced the most ancient octopus known as calais comes from the upper cretaceous of the mount lebanon syria while the argonauts are unknown before the tertiary end of chapter twenty six b